Hi, I'm Zena Garrison, and you're listening to Brothers on Tennis. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we, of course, are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, we're coming at you today with an interview, but this time it's really, really special. We're actually doing it with our locker room apps. We have a partnership with the locker room application, and uh, this will be our first time uh, conducting this interview. So, Bryce, how about you share some information about it with our, our listeners here? Sure. Look, we've been talking about the Locker Room app for a while, and it is finally out now, at least if you have an Apple product. So go to the App Store, download it, and look us up. We decided to try an interview with a player on the Locker Room app because it allowed us to record the interview live, have a live audience, and to be able to take questions from the audience. So we think it went pretty well. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback, but I'm feeling like if we're all thumbs up, we'll be doing more of these, right, Isaac? That's exactly right, folks. So we are going to be interviewing, or what you'll be listening to is our interview with Nicole Melikar, an active WTA player. And we want to send a special shout out to our boy, Wandell Bruner, for allowing us to connect with Nicole and to have this interview. Wandell, we appreciate you, and we are so looking forward to continuing our partnership and networking as we move forward. Thanks, Wandell. All right. So, folks. Here is the interview. Everyone that's coming in, we are so excited. Uh, you know, we've been on locker room for what, Isaac, a couple of months now? Yeah, exactly. And and this is our first live interview that we're doing on this platform. So um, we're looking forward um, for the opportunity of trying out some of the functionality that locker room has, like... Um, you know, interfacing with you guys and allowing you to in, to help us interact in the interview, um, asking questions through the chat room. And maybe towards the end, we even have an opportunity to bring some of you up to ask a question directly of Nicole. So uh, we're very excited today. Yes, sir. And we have Nicole up. Hey there, Nicole. Hey, good evening. How are you? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Thank um, you for having me. For sure, for sure. Bryce, everything everything set, my friend? Let's get it going. <laughs> All right. Well, yo, 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 everybody. This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And, of course, we are Brothers on Tennis. And, folks, today we have got a good one. We've got Miss Nicole Melikar with us to talk a little bit about the game of tennis, give us a lot of history, give us some background on her 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 uh, path, if you will, to, to, I mean, the highest of heights. I mean, Nicole has done some great things that Bryce will talk a little bit about in a second. But I tell you what, folks, we are so very excited to have her uh, just as a part of the Brothers on Tennis uh, <laughs> franchise, if you will. First uh, official interview with the active player. So we are so thankful for that, Nicole. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And uh, once, once there are some questions, fire away. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, one of the things we want to do is for our listeners is to make sure they know a little bit about your background in case they don't know. So Nicole is the winner of eight WTA doubles titles. Right now, she's sitting atop her career high ranking of number 11 in the world in women's doubles. Her Probably her most prized title, I'm assuming, uh, at this <laughs> moment is her 2018 Wimbledon Championship uh, mixed doubles win that she had with her partner Alexander 
Alexander Paya. Uh, she's also been a two-time women's doubles Grand Slam finalist, which is huge. And maybe, believe it or not, one of the things that a lot of people may remember her for is this summer when we were all glued to our TV coming out of the quarantine watching <laughs> World Team Tennis. Yep. That doubles match. Yep. Final doubles match where the uh, New York Empire I don't know how you guys did that. Uh, snuck <laughs> out that super tiebreak at the end to take the championship. So with all of that on her resume, Nicole, welcome to Brothers on Tennis. Thank you. <laughs> and you're and right. My mixed doubles title is uh, is definitely my most prized. Yeah, I would believe that for sure. <laughs> nice, nice. And Nicole, I tell you what, it's so funny because we were talk we talked a lot about that uh, that doubles match in, in World Team Tennis. I mean, talk about some down <laughs> the wire. I mean, down to the wire. That was so crazy. That last shot that uh, I believe Coco hit. And it was on the line, and it got challenged, and oh my goodness, it was crazy. You guys, you guys played that day. I mean, that was some excellent, excellent doubles on your part. So congratulations as well uh, to you and the team for taking the overall uh, World Team Tennis Championship as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that that match was crazy, and we had played against uh, that team earlier that season, um, and we won the set against them. So. We knew we knew going into it that we definitely had a chance to win, and we were down by by uh, three games. So we knew we had to not only win the set, we had to go into extended play, we had to go into a tiebreak. <laughs> so a lot of things needed to fall into place, and we saved uh, two championship points for them as well. So uh, it just shows how every point counts, and you just really need to fight fight for every point, no matter no matter what the score is. Exactly. How did you guys react though when they did the whole substitution with Sloan? I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, um, I was shocked. Um, apparently, she was asking to go in even earlier, um, ah. but then yeah, they put her in. And at first, I felt like okay, you know, she's cold. She's gonna. Um, <laughs> she's been sitting for an hour because we were playing for a long time. But then, you know, after the first two points, and I, I, I didn't know at the time. I found out afterwards that she had asked to go in. But after the first two points, I realized, oh, she like I knew I know she's there to play, but like you realize like okay she's uh, she's not cold she's uh, she's ready right right oh man that was so good so good nicole so again congratulations on that and just in general i mean not to jump just into the world team tennis but i know that the audience here would love to hear your backstory so just tell us about how you came to be nicole uh, melkar the tennis player i mean how was it growing up how did you first discover tennis and and what was your what was your road like uh getting you know getting to this point in your career I mean, my parents are recreational tennis players, so, like, I was playing already when my mom was pregnant with me, nice. um, <laughs> recreationally, so I've, uh, I've had it since the beginning, but um, my older sister, uh, Jane, she's five years older than me, um, she, she played growing up, and little sister always wants to be better than her bigger sister, um, <laughs> And I was 11, she was 16, and we played in the finals of a tournament, and I beat her. Wow. And 
the then it it kind of went from there i really i just always wanted to to be a pro and uh, i was begging my parents first to let me homeschool then once i was homeschooling i begged them to let me go to a tennis academy then i got to the tennis academy then i wanted to go to a more private tennis academy so i could get more individual attention and then i refused to go to college and basically turned pro behind my parents back so uh, <laughs> I, I was i was very stubborn i i, I sort of knew what i wanted Nice. Oh, that is awesome. I, I bet that didn't go over too well in the household. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to slide over here and become a professional tennis player. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, uh, what, you know, if you have a dream and you're going after it, what and you're over 18, what can your parents really do? And right. they were but they were absolutely supportive of it. You know, they didn't kick me out of the house or anything. They just uh, <laughs> Uh, they they supported me every step of the way, and uh, so I, I owe a lot to them. I owe a lot to um, you know the various coaches that I worked mm-hmm. with uh, throughout the years. So um, there, there's a big group of people that goes way way back to when I was little that all like had their had their part in it. Gotcha. And Nicole, did you do the whole like uh, you know 16s and 18s and play all of those junior tournaments and all of that? I, for the most part, yes, I I did it up until uh, about the 16s. And then between the age of 16 and 18, I I tried to play some ITFs like in the States. I tried to play some like um, uh, lower level um, pro tournaments, like 10,000s, 25,000s and stuff. So I wasn't really playing a full USTA schedule between the age of 16 and 18. I was just playing some of the bigger ones. But mm-hmm. for the most part, growing up, um, yeah, I, I went through that whole system. Gotcha. One of the things that I noticed, Nicole, is that it seems like in your uh, your heritage, uh, you come from Czech heritage. Yeah. And, and, and that jumped out at me because our listeners know, <laughs> as it relates to me, growing up as a tennis player, as a tennis fan, all of that, my role models were on the men's side, it was Yvonne Lundell. Mm-hmm. And on the women's side, it was Martina Navratilova. <laughs> and although I have never been to the Czech Republic, it carries such a big part for me in terms of my tennis coming up. How did the whole Czech and the U.S. sides kind of blend with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was born there. Both of my parents are Czech. Um I still have a Czech passport. I'm actually a dual citizen. So um, so I, I am American. I play for America. I love America. But the, the Czech is still a part of me. Um, and uh, my grandparents are there. And obviously the tennis history is so rich. And, and it's almost as if they have something in their drinking water that creates great tennis <laughs> players. Because, I mean, half the doubles player or, you know, Three out of the top ten in doubles are are um, are, are Czech, and at, at one point I think uh, I was top twenty in the world, and I was like I, I'm I was the number I am the number one ranked American. But if I was counting all all of the Czech girls like a couple of years ago, there was still like Hlavatskova, Hradecka, and there was a few other Czech girls in there. But I would have been ranked like seventh, and I was top twenty. <laughs> <laughs> So it just goes to show the quality of, you know, the state of Florida has 10 million people and the whole country of the Czech Republic has 10 million people. So that's, that's, wow. a, good, that's a good way yeah. to scale it. 
you yeah. know america has what 370 million people so um it's a small country and there are many players with czech backgrounds that um don't uh, don't play for the czech republic uh like martina hingis um uh, her her family was Czechoslo- her mom was Czechoslovakian. Uh, Belinda Bencic, she's not Czech, she's uh, she's Slovak, but like her parents are Slovak, and she plays for Switzerland. I mean, uh-huh. there's uh, right. there's quite a few players on tour with a Czech or a Slovak background um, that uh, that are playing for other countries, which is pretty interesting that the blood is spread around a bit. <laughs> wow, that's amazing! Amazing. Yeah. And, and, and talk to us a little bit about this current run that you've been on. I mean, I, I mean, the U.S. Open and the French, I mean, my goodness, coming out of this pandemic, I mean, you have been on fire. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I took the, the lockdown and COVID time to really um, enjoy uh, not like having to play tennis but wanting to play tennis right and um and i i I did a good job of uh wanting to do other things so i was doing um running biking rollerblading pilates workouts in my gym uh i was playing like just doing other sports and uh playing tennis maybe two or three days a week, but because I wanted to, not because I had to. And I know some players practiced every day and some players didn't touch a racket for two months. Um, I, I, you know, I think something worked for everyone, but every time I went on the court, I wasn't like, I wanted to go. I wasn't always, you know, happy with how I was hitting, (laughs) but um, (laughs) but I wanted to be there. And if I didn't want to be there, then, you know, sometimes uh, I would stay at the courts for two hours. Sometimes I'd say after 30 minutes, I'd be like, all right, I'm over this. Like, let's leave. (laughs) It was nice to have the freedom to just like choose, but I worked on a few things that, that I wanted to work on and improve. And I think, uh, I think it definitely helped my game uh, when I got started again. Absolutely. It definitely did. And and once again, trying to take advantage of some of the functionality of this neat locker room app, I want to take this opportunity to ask the question that we had that came mm-hmm. through from uh, Gonzalo. And since you're talking about, you know, you haven't worked on your game and all of that, it's for all in a set. You're serving. It's 30-40. What's your go-to play? For all serving 30-40, well, I'm going to pick my favorite spot to serve, which I'm not going to say because <laughs> you guys can't really get to my competition. That's right, but, that's right. Uh, I'm going to pick my favorite serve and then my my strongest uh, – my strongest uh, ground stroke is my forehand, so I'm gonna I'm gonna want to try and hit a forehand on that very first ball. Gotcha. If 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 uh, um, the ball passes my net person, because obviously I'm trying to set up my net person, but if the net person uh, if it gets by the net person for whatever reason, I I, I want to be hitting a forehand. That sounds like a winning play to me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And and Nicole, talk to us a little bit about uh, kind of the singles and the doubles, because you've played some singles, of course. And, and, and I mean, you've really, really kind of blossomed in the doubles game. What, what, what kind of made you lean more towards the doubles versus the singles route? Well, I didn't have a, I didn't really have a coach um, traveling with me while I was on tour. So I only really had proper training when I was at home. And when you're, when you're on tour, you know, uh, 
I, now I see how important it is to have a coach to really guide you and, you know, help you work on things like in between matches and, and getting you ready and stuff. And it was just so difficult to travel from ITF to ITF and not really, um, you know, get your ranking up that high. Mm -hmm. And uh, my it was a bit easier to get my doubles ranking higher than my singles ranking. I was uh, I was doing well. Um, so I started getting into bigger tournaments with, um, with my doubles ranking, but also at one point, um, I got, uh, in 2012, I got mono. And so when I came back from mono a bit too soon, um, because mono makes you really tired, it, it makes right. you basically exhausted. Um, I came back too soon and I wasn't really surviving long matches. I would maybe win a set and then I would lose because I, I didn't have any energy left. And that also, I think, helped my doubles results because I was, um, I was able to win doubles matches because they're not as physically exhausting. They're exhausting, you know, they're more difficult in st strategic or tactical ways or, you know, doubles is a different sport than single but um in the end yeah i just uh i was doing better in doubles and i could get into bigger tournaments and once you have the taste of being at bigger tournaments you don't want to go back to the smaller events absolutely yeah okay thank you no i appreciate that and you know that you know that was a good question isaac because that kind of sends us in this direction of i i want us to talk a little bit about doubles yeah. I think I think doubles gets shortchanged so much in the professional game. Uh, for most of us that are social players, it's the primary thing we play these right. days. Uh, you don't go to the courts and see somebody playing three out of five sing sets of singles, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> right. out there. And um, and so one of, so one of the things I want to ask you about doubles is: Can you talk us through? How does that whole doubles partnership thing happen? I mean, how do you find, how do two players decide that they're going to play doubles together or are not going to play doubles together anymore? I mean, what's what's that process like? Um, well, it's I think it would be sort of similar like uh, you know, in country clubs and stuff. Basically, on the tour, you play against each other and you're in the locker rooms and you know, in the restaurants and everything. So like everyone sort of gets to know everybody. You know, for the most part, you're not necessarily friends, but you know who people are. You've seen them play. You've played against them. So what happens in doubles, a lot of times, you know, you're going to you go and practice points against uh, other teams. Or, you know, if your partner is a singles player, then you try and ask other doubles players that are playing with someone who's in the singles. And then you sort of combine. And um, you what what I try to do is I try and scout and see who whose game style would maybe match up with mine and also whose personality because I think those those two things are very important but I think for me I, I personally need to have both I need someone that I actually like I can't play with someone that I dislike but um that uh, that's how I that's how I go in, in choosing partners and then once I feel like I have maybe I'll make a list of uh, of like a two or three players that I feel maybe around my ranking and someone that would suit my game style and I ask them like hey would you you know be interested in playing together and a lot of times players will maybe try and play one or two tournaments together to see if they feel like a good connection that if their games can click and if yes then then they'll maybe say okay we'll play for you know this set of tournaments or this year or these few months or you know whatever the mutual 
like agreement is. And uh, so, yeah, it's basically, you know, talking, making connections. It's, it's, it's a business. And if, you know, you play with someone and you lose three first rounds in a row and it's like, "Mm, well, actually, you know, the chemistry isn't there. Then you talk to them and you say, thank you. And you you move on and try and find someone that will fit your game. Cause, uh, not always uh, who you think will match, you'll match up well with. It doesn't always work out. Now, when you're looking for a partner, it sounds like something you have to take in consideration is whether they're, you know, they're playing singles or not. Because I know for a long time there, the conversation was we don't have enough of the top players playing, uh, enough for the top singles players playing doubles. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nicole, but it seems like that's maybe turning around a little bit. It seems like there's been on both the men's and the women's side, um, more of the younger players coming up, uh, making a name for themselves, playing doubles. Uh, When you decide to play with someone who was definitely probably uh, really more into the singles, I've always wondered, you know, do you always kind of have this thing going on during the tournament? Like, will I get the call one day that they're dropping out of the doubles because of, you know, wanting to focus in on the singles or if they're a top ranked player or maybe they've made it really far into the draw is that kind of like a nightmarish type situation for for you or doubles players at times a hundred percent every time um a doubles player plays with someone who's in the singles draw you run the risk um you run that risk but you you know you're accepting that risk as a doubles player and uh and sometimes you need to make it clear with the singles player beforehand and you know try and um like a, a little bit of like the dirty juices of, of singles players or they're like, Hey, well, if I make semis, I'm going to pull out. Like they might just tell you that in advance. Most of them won't, but, um, but some players uh, will just tell you up front, like, okay, I'll play with you. But if I get this far, I'm not going to play anymore because I want to focus on singles. And it's very unfortunate and it's not fair to the, um, to doubles players because, you know, if you sign up for an event, you're supposed to give a hundred percent, um, effort in each event that you're playing in and if you don't want if you only want to go so far if you get so far I, I don't think that's fair but um, but if you're playing with another doubles player you're guaranteed that they're going to give their maximum effort unless they're truly injured not just like oh well you know my wrist is hurting a little bit so I need to save my energy for tomorrow like you don't you're not going to get that from someone that only plays doubles they're going to you know dive for balls and pull a Dustin Brown at the net before they, <laughs> before they pull out on you. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so here's two questions for you. Um, who would you say, no, let's, let's make it a three-parter because I'm going to incorporate a question that we received um, through the messages from Mitchell. Number one, who is the best doubles player that you've ever played against? Number two, who is your like dream your fantasy doubles partner like it could be a person that's playing now or it could be a person that played back in the day if you could have played and and it can be either man or woman it can be mixed doubles or or regular doubles and then the the final question that i would have would be if you had an opportunity to win any event at any tournament what would it be Okay, well, I'll start with 
um, like who's the best player I've faced. Um, I mean, like with with just skills and court sense and just just for her like her whole history, I, I would probably have to give it to Martina Hingis. Um, just because, uh, you know, you can't get it through her at the net. She doesn't miss from the baseline. Her serve isn't very good yet. You still tend to make mistakes on it because you overhit. She doesn't double fault. Like she gets every return back. It's just that it, there's, uh, a couple of her, the things in her game aren't necessarily strengths, but she doesn't have any weaknesses and she knows where to be and where to, where to play. And she just drives you nuts. <laughs> With that being said, I I did beat her once in my career, so I, I would nice. say Loki brag, right? Loki brag. <laughs> I Loki have flex. beat her, but um, but yeah, she's definitely I think the most um complete player and best player with her history that I've I've played against, um. And uh, growing up, like, who would I want to play play with? Well, I mean, there's so many players. I could go back, uh, you know, I wish if Martina Navratilova was, like, in her in her prime or like still playing, like I would be an honor to play with her and learn from her. Um, I would love to play. I, I played a set in world team tennis with Mike Bryan, but never in a tournament. So like, I would love to be able to play with one of the Bryan brothers mm-hmm. legends. But like, if you have the chance to share the court with maybe Federer or Nadal, like there, there are just too <laughs> many players that I could list. And then another one that returned on tour who I actually might still have a chance to play with is, Kim Kleisters. I was on the team oh. with her. I got to hit with her, but yeah. I never got to play doubles with her. So who knows? Maybe I'll get lucky and get to play a tournament with her this year. Who knows? <laughs> there you that go. That would be awesome. <laughs> and um, so question number three, I don't remember it. So can well, you repeat? Yeah. So it was, <laughs> if you could win the title at uh, any event, which one would it be? Well, um, you know, currently, I guess I would say Australian Open because that's the next Grand Slam I'm playing. <laughs> there you I go. Could, I mean, I, I would love to go and win uh, Wimbledon women's doubles. I think um, I think Wimbledon is just, you know, it's the highest honor in tennis, even though all four Grand Slams are supposed to be equal. Wimbledon is the oldest. It has the most history. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate and grateful. I wanted the mixed doubles, but, and I was so close in the ladies yeah. doubles as well, making the final. I'd love to hold that Wimbledon doubles title as well. Ah, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. Ivan, I just want, I just want to hold this just for a second. There have been some really good questions that have come in on. The oh show. yeah. No, well, hell I got some as well. Cause I was, I want <laughs> some low, I want some low key dirt, Nicole. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the messy one. So, I mean, you were talking about before kind of like how players kind of, you know, hey, we get together, we have a little contract. Has there ever been somebody that you were like, okay, you know, I think I might have, uh, <laughs> I might have made a mistake reaching out to this player. I mean, has there been, I don't, and you don't have to name names, of course, but, you know, if you, you know, but has there ever been an occasion where you're like, you know what, yo, um, this is uh, not working out? <laughs> of course. I think every doubles player in their career, they'll have at least one of those players where you're just like, what was I thinking? Or, oh, I, you know, what I thought of that person is not, not, um, not the reality. So um, uh, I'm definitely not going to say names. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but um, it's just like in life and business. Some. Yep. 
some people you like, some people you don't, some people, you know, don't like the, their tea the same way you do. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Nice. Nice. Go ahead, Bryce. I know we've got some in the, uh, in the backlog there. Go right ahead. Uh, okay. And we'll, we'll, we need for you as an amazing volleyer and an amazing doubles player to, to settle a debate that we had on Brothers <laughs> on Tennis last week. There was a conversation about what quality level of volleyer is Rafael Nadal. And there were some people that were saying they didn't think he was very good. And then there were those of us that know a lot about tennis really well who said he is an amazing <laughs> volleyer. So who's right, Nicole? <laughs> well, I, I will say... I do think he is an amazing volleyer. I think he has great hands. He's backed it up with, uh, he doesn't play doubles very often, but when he does, he usually wins it. He has the gold medal from Rio in doubles. He's won, I think, Indian Wells in doubles. He's won some very big tournaments in doubles. And I think uh, that that should, uh, I, I mean, great singles players can win big doubles tournaments too if they serve and return well. But um but I, anytime he does go to the net in singles, he tends to put those volleys away and That's right. really with authority. So I, I would say that um, I don't think he's the best doubles volley, uh, the best volleyer in the world, but I would definitely say he has very good volleys. Thank you for that, Nicole. <laughs> we, 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 will, we will use that clip on one of our followers. <laughs> and and if, you know, if, if you'd like to play French Open with me next year, I would. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Way to go. You're a very smart woman. I see that already. Right? <laughs> so here's another question, and it kind of goes back to your background. This, this is really a very good question from Drake. Uh, not the rapper, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, follower Drake being a tennis fan when you were growing up uh, can you tell us of what was a special moment that you had as a pro that you that would blow your childhood tennis mind like I can't believe I either met this person or I've just played this person or I've been at this tournament I used to watch this as a child was there a particular moment that kind of blew your your childhood tennis brain there's many, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, if, uh, if you told me as a kid that I would, you know, win Wimbledon, uh, on center court, like that would, that would blow my mind. And then if you tell me that I would beat Serena Williams and Andy Murray at Wimbledon, that would blow my mind. Right. <laughs> you know, there's, if you would tell me, you know, before I go warm up for my quarterfinal match that like Federer is up there, you know, warming up right next to me and we're both watching the TV and comes and says hi and starts chit-chatting with me. That would blow my mind. <laughs> so it sounds like you have a lot of moments. Because <laughs> yeah. all of those would blow my mind as well. <laughs> Yeah, the oh, Federer one was funny because he he was sort of like he came over and stood next to me, and I sort of look, and then I look back at the TV, and I, I like had to look again, I'm like whoa, he's standing next to me, and then he's like hello, <laughs> I'm like hello. <laughs> that is awesome, and right? you know what? That is so cool to hear because you know it, that's where many of you professionals start off as fans initially and and you be, and you remain fans of people that even you play against um 
So I know a matchup that I would love to see is I would love to see you play, and I'm not trying to start no stuff, because, um, <laughs> you know, you know, goodwill and blessings to all those people that you have committed to play with. But I would love to see you play with Best Nomadic Sands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think Bethany and I would definitely make a, make a great team. So you never know. That could happen in the future. We'll see. We're All putting right. that in the universe for you. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Well, I tell you what. <laughs> exactly. And, Nicole, I saw that you actually played with Peshke for a good bit of time. I guess in, she what, did. 2018? Yeah, 19. So talk to us about that because I know she is, like, extreme. She's, like, like you, very much accomplished in the doubles game. How was it playing with her? And, and what kind of led to you guys, uh, I guess, not playing anymore? Again, not trying to, trying to, well, you know, get a little tea in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I have the utmost respect for Kvitha. She's one of my closest friends. And um, playing with her for two years was absolutely amazing. She taught me so much. Um, her husband is still my coach. Nice. Um, so I've been working with him for three years, and he's uh, he's worked a lot of miracles with me as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she not only was she number one in the world in doubles, she was uh, she got to twenty six in the world in singles. So she right, had, right, uh, that's she right. Great, she had a great career in singles as well. But uh, we won five tournaments together, Wimbledon doubles final. Um, she, I had to play against her twice this year because uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> we 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 chose to part ways and it was uh we each won won a match so at least it ended up uh even <laughs> which uh, <laughs> you know at least it was fair but um but yeah she she taught me so much on the court i can only say good things about her all right well that's good no and i would i would hope that it would be that way because i mean she she does seem like a just an incredible person i've followed uh i followed her career a bit and i mean she's just an absolutely incredible player and seems as though she's an incredible person as well so it's nice to hear that yeah i mean she just she's like an energizer bunny she just keeps going and going <laughs> the oldest player on tour and and uh, who knows if she'll ever stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about another one of your doubles partners. And, and I, I'm sure most people are aware that you actually partnered with Iga Swiatek at the French Open. And so we were just talking about playing with a singles player. I mean, that's the probably the extreme example, right? You end up playing with the person who is the eventual singles champion. Um how did you and Ega hook up? Because I, I, it didn't look like you had played together prior to that. And what was that process like in terms of being with her as she playing with her in doubles, seeing her progress in the singles tournament and seeing her go through that experience for the very first time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she, she's a great girl. And I didn't know that before playing with her. I got to know that while playing with her. So, um, you know, it's always uh, it's always a a nice surprise when when you play with someone who's genuinely a kind hearted person. So um, so I was happy about that. But yeah, um, I during US Open, um, my doubles partner from US Open, Yifan Shu, um, we call her Julie. Julie is her American name. She told me that she was having um, trouble getting a visa for Europe, that I should try and find a partner for um, for French Open. And during US Open, I wasn't really like too worried about it. Um, I just wanted to focus on US Open. And then US Open finishes, and I have like four days until the deadline for French Open. So I 
I started scrambling and already looking at the list, see who was signed up and stuff. And uh, I saw she wasn't signed. And so like, I made a list of players and I was like, okay, well, you know, I think, you know, I had played against her in Cincinnati. So the week before us open, and I was impressed with her game. I thought she played very well and I thought she had good instincts. So I, at least I hadn't played with her, but I had played against her and um, felt, you know, how she made certain parts of the game feel uncomfortable. And I, I reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to play. And three days before the tournament, you know, we agreed to play. So it was a very last minute thing. And, you know, did I know she was going to French Open, uh, win French Open? No, no one knew that, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was one of those things where I didn't, uh, I, I knew I would find a partner to play with. Obviously, I wanted to find a good partner. I think I picked a great partner. <laughs> and, um, you know, we made semis. Yes. And the semifinal was a match that, uh, that I think we definitely could have won. Um, but at the beginning of the tournament, I didn't even know if we would, because we weren't going to be seated, you know, who knows if we even, you know, pass the first or second round, if we get an unlucky draw, you know, play a hot team. So at the end of the day, it was definitely sort of bittersweet. Um, you know, making semifinals of a grand slam is always something to be proud of, but, uh, losing a match that I feel that we could have won is, uh, you know, difficult, especially when, when we're competitors and we want to win. But, um, but overall, I mean, the next day I stayed for the final, um, and, uh, I wasn't cheering because, uh, you know, Iga was, was playing against a fellow American with uh, right. Sophia and so like my heart was a bit torn so I sort of oh. like I sort of sat in a very neutral area but um but when Iga won the tournament obviously I would have been happy for for both girls but um but uh, obviously I was happy for her because I got to know her that weekend she was my partner so uh of course I was gonna give her a hug after after she won the match so um so that was special to see sort of getting to know um, getting to know someone who I didn't know and then them winning the tournament, their first major title. I think that was, that, that was really special even for me um, yeah. from that point of view. So, and, and I can understand that for sure. So you're going back to your old partner or has Ega um, kind of hip checked her uh, <laughs> going forward? Are you going to do a combination of the two? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys be surprised who I play with next year. Oh, <laughs> oh right. I'm right. We got <laughs> secrets. All right, Nicole. <laughs> and it sounds like you are trying to commit with someone for the entire year, correct? Yes, that's the goal because um, for for doubles players, our, our main goal is we want to make the year-end championships. We want to right. try and, you know, do well throughout the season overall, but the year-end championships is a big bonus um, for us and it's an honor to be there. So, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a question that's, uh, that's in my mind, you know, do I want to play with a singles player, uh, fewer tournaments, or a doubles player where I can play, you know, most or all of the tournaments. It's right. also an Olympic year so yes. there's, yeah. there's quite a few factors that you need to take into consideration also with COVID and travel restrictions and some players being uncomfortable traveling there's there's another you know curveball in there so it's uh it's a bit difficult to uh you know to to put everything into place so you, you kind of talk about all the things that 
you have to consider. And, and we had a question from, from Courtney who asked, you know, what are the difficult aspects of being a, prof- a professional tennis player and what keeps you motivated through the tough times? Oh, well, there's a, there's a lot of things, um, difficult aspects. I mean, starting out, you know, traveling alone, um, living basically like prize money to prize money, paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, having to um, find players at the tournaments to share, share the hotel room with, um, to save on expenses, um, not, you know, going to nice restaurants, maybe going to the grocery store and, and, uh, you know, buying bread and meat and like making your own sandwiches. Like those are some of the difficult things that like people never see from, from the ITF level. And then you get to the pro level, you're, you're traveling 30 plus weeks out of the year. So you miss home, you miss your family, you miss your pets, you miss your boyfriend, you miss, um, you miss people, you miss birthdays and holidays and, uh, you need to schedule Christmas after Thanksgiving because you know, you need to go to Australia. And there's just a lot of things that you miss out on. Um, and then even before that growing up, you know, uh your friend has a birthday oh sorry i can't come i have a tournament that weekend do you want to go to the prom no sorry i can't i have a tournament so not just in the pro age but also from a young age there's just so many things that tennis kind of gets in the way but it's like well what do you want to do do you want to be a tennis player do you want to you know live through the normal normal life so those are decisions that kids and then even as we become adults we need to decide and what keeps me motivated well I mean, I want to win big tournaments. I want that feeling of winning Wimbledon again. I want that, you know, sense of accomplishment. I want that sense of, uh, you know, all that sacrifice that I did waking up at five in the morning to go run sprints on a, on a hill, you know, on the side of a highway, you know, I want all that to be worth something. And I want to hold those big trophies and I, and I, I do want to make good money and I do want to, you know, retire and live a comfortable life that, that I worked hard for. So um, I, I want to be proud of myself. I want the people around me to be proud of, um, you know, the time that they invested in me as well. So it's, it's not just for me, but it's also, you know, for my parents and and my coaches and and I play tennis for me it's 100% my decision but I I want the people behind me to be proud of me as well Uh, I definitely understand that yeah Yeah. it's a beautiful answer beautiful answer I love that and you know what I mean I think what helps make it worth it I mean I know you're doing it for the love of the game because you have to because there's just days that that's all that can sustain you but you know, when you have a certain level of success, then you really have to feel good about this has all been worth it. And and one of the things that I guess we're seeing with you now is, you know, you're having success even off the court. Um, I think I, I saw on Instagram you were promoting that you have a new deal with Neptune Sportswear that may include both designing and, you know, wearing the apparel. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Neptune Athletics. um, It's a company that um, a good friend of mine started. Um, and it's, it's an apparel brand. Um, it's not just, it's not just a tennis brand, but it's an athletic brand. So it's like gym or just any sport, just athletic clothes. And I love the clothes. They're super comfortable. They're, they're really nice. I have had a chance to, um, 
to give them feedback on the different styles or yes this material no that not that material oh this isn't sewn right this you know I've given them a lot of a lot of feedback with that so I do feel like I have been a big part of it but um, basically um, my friend Patrick his partner um, the other um, owner of it his name is Don Mann and he's a former Navy SEAL and he his philosophy he's gone through so many things in life he wrote a book called Beyond Boundaries and the motto of the company is um, is to go beyond boundaries to go beyond you know what what you think you can do just to persevere past that and even if you're in pain just keep going if something is difficult keep going and um, and that's something that the company stands for. Um, and it's something I believe in, you know, there are difficult times, but uh, I just, uh, they posted something um, the other day. Um, I forgot word for word, but it, what it says, but um, it was something along the lines of uh, what's in front of you is not as difficult as, um, uh, what's in your mind or your your basically your mind can overcome whatever is in front of you and I think that's so important and I think for a company to represent that it's just it's so strong and passionate and I really hope the brand takes off because like I said the the clothes are the clothes are amazing but the story behind it and the meaning behind it I think is just even more important Excellent. Excellent. And, 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 and Nicole, I mean, I mean, uh, is there something that you're planning to do as far as with the clothing line? Are you going to design anything or is it, is there anything additional that you, that you have going on with that particular agreement? Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to be uh, representing them. I'm going to be wearing their clothes, um, designing, helping to design different collections. Yes. Nice. So um, uh, they designed something really nice for me for Australian Open. So I'll be wearing that. And nice. uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be trying to market and promote and, you know, try and get try and get the brand out there. So hopefully someday it becomes, you know, as big as Nike or Adidas or something like that. Hopefully Neptune Athletics can someday be be uh one of them so you'll see me wearing it um i'm, I'm wearing a neptune shirt right now even though you guys <laughs> yeah i am wearing a neptune athletics shirt right now um, nice i actually wasn't sure if this was uh, audio or video uh, before we started <laughs> so i made sure to put it on but um but uh, yeah and uh if uh, whoever's listening if you want to check out their website um you can google neptune athletics and it'll the website will pop up and you can al also use my discount code to get 15 percent off hey, my now. discount code is n melicar right. so <laughs> a little <laughs> we'll bit of put that in the chat there as well there you go yes. see now you come you listen to brothers on tennis and you get discounts see yeah 15 percent yeah. off <laughs> oh nice okay <laughs> christmas time around the corner see yes. <laughs> love that love that and nicole just talking in general tell us about just in general you go to a lot of tournaments over the in in, in one calendar year which one do you consider to be like your favorite I mean, I would have to say Wimbledon um, because of all its history and it's so beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, the grass season is so short, but um, there's, uh, there's another amazing event um, in Stuttgart in Germany where mm -hmm. the food is absolutely incredible. All right. Um, that is, uh, that is the best 
the tournament you're going to eat at in the whole year. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also sponsored by Porsche. So you can even, you know, take the brand new cars out and test them on the Autobahn, you know, Germany. Oh, oh, nice. So, um, I think the players have a lot of fun at that, that event. And then um, I think Indian Wells is also a great one. You're oh, outside. Yeah. There's so much space. People are really friendly. Every match is packed. Like, what more could you want from a player point of view? You know, you want every match to be just, you know, full. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right in our backyard as well. So, yeah, we, we definitely love Indian Wells. Nice. And and you've done the Audubon? Uh, yes, I have done the Audubon. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Talk to us about how was that experience? I've, that's something I've always personally wanted to do. Yeah, well, I mean, there are speed limits in certain places, so you're gonna, you need to make sure you understand that, like, the German road signs, which are slightly different than, um, you know, than in America, right. so you, you need to touch up on that, but yeah, once, once you have that, um, the sign that says, like, no speed limit, you can, you can sort of just step on it. <laughs> <laughs> And when you know you're not going to get a ticket, it's uh, it's uh, very relaxing. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, when you're in Stuttgart, talk to me about what's what's your favorite food. So you said they have great food, but what specifically kind of kind of hits at home for you? Um, well, they, it's that time of year where, uh, like, the white asparagus is, um, mm. is growing. So they have a lot of meals, like, with the, you know, the steamed asparagus or the asparagus soup and just a, a lot of those, like, uh, a lot of German dishes that include it. But, I mean, like, uh, their salmon there is really done nicely, along with, like, all the other meat that they have there. They have, like, a, you know, the, the sushi, the, the sushi people making fresh sushi, like, right in front of you Mm. they have you know the the cheese fondue they have all these cheeses and breads and then they have i mean it just kind of goes on and on you'll be there for a week and you feel like you never get bored that you can always eat something different which is which is fantastic cool and this is one thing i've kind of always wanted to ask as a professional tennis player is there like a as far as your eating regimen goes, is there like a certain amount of calories you try to get in or a certain way or system that you have to eat in order to prepare for your matches? And is there any system that you follow, Nicole? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like to eat red meat during tournaments. I, Mm -hmm. um, I usually try and keep red meat for in between tournaments or, you know, at least, uh, if I'm going to, if it's in between tournaments, I want to make sure I have at least like two or three days before my next match. Um, but yeah, during tournaments, I don't eat a lot of red meat, even though I love it. Um, (laughs) I will, I, I try and choose, um, gluten-free, um, meals before like uh during the day before i play just because um uh to process uh gluten in your body it it, it does take more energy so um so i like to choose gluten-free if i can gluten-free pasta or rice i try and keep my meals pretty simple and um you know i want to I don't want to eat too much, but I'll eat like sort of consistently throughout the day. So I'm not hungry, but mm-hmm. um, overall, like I, I don't count calories or anything. I go based on feeling, you know, cause right. like, with changing time zones and, you know, different foods fill you up more than others. I mean, you, 
I sort of just go based on feeling and if I'm feeling good, I stick with it. And if, you know, if I start feeling tired or bloated or, you know, whatever, then, then I try and like see what I've been eating and try and adjust. But for the most part, um, I, I keep it pretty like anything in moderation. Gotcha. And what's that guilty pleasure that you have? (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, I definitely have a sweet tooth. So, Ah. you know, ice cream at a tournament or if they have, you know, some good cake or, you know, every country has its own thing. But um, I I try and avoid the um, the dessert section of the restaurant. (laughs) But um, like, you know, if I have just like a a little bite here and there, uh, it it, it won't hurt you. Right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. A little bit won't hurt you. (laughs) No, and Nicole, one of the things that, you know, as far as Bryce and I go, Brothers on Tennis, we are big time music fans. And yes, yes, <laughs> just music all day, every day. Uh, from a music standpoint, like who's like your favorite artist and, and, and what are some of the things that do or do you use music uh, when you're working out or when you're getting geared up for your matches? Uh, love to hear your thoughts uh, from just a musical perspective. I mean, my music, uh, my music is sort of all over the place. Like yeah. my, my song, um, because I, I saw like a clip after I won Wimbledon, they had like, uh, you know, put this clip together of like the highlights and like they were playing the song High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. So, yes. Like, that's my Wimbledon song. So like that's my motivational song. So that's, that's a big one. I, I go more based on songs rather than artists, but okay. I mean, I like a lot of the songs by, by the artist Sia. I, uh, I've, or I, you know, I've looked through my, my playlist and I see a lot of like, oh, they're all by her. And then um, <laughs> I, I like uh, Latin music. So Jay Baldwin oh. and uh, uh, Nikki Jam or Bad yep. Bunny. So like all those guys. So I have quite a good mix of uh, a little bit of everything on my playlist. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm a big Sia fan, so yeah, that yes, Sia can sing. <laughs> Let's just be clear, she can sing. <laughs> she can. She has. A, she has a voice. Oh my goodness! Awesome, awesome. And uh, I, I think that I, I I know I had one more that I wanted to ask you about, and that's on the the just the side of, of movies and entertainment. What's what's sort of your favorite favorite thing to do, uh, just in regards to uh, is it is it TV binging? Is it uh, certain movies that you like? What, what's your what's your interest in that particular area? Um, I mean, well. During quarantine, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you saw the meme that said, like, uh, you know, like you finished Netflix, right? So, <laughs> I, feel right. Like, I feel like I watched almost everything on Netflix. I know that's probably not possible, but um, I, I do definitely like watching TV series. But um, if I watch it, I want to like sit and watch it and pay attention to it. I can't like have it in the background. Like if I'm if I haven't seen the show before and I'm excited about it like if I'm doing something I have to like pause it and like play music I need to and then go back and like when I can sit and watch it I watch it currently I'm watching Lucifer right now oh, like, yep. so that's a good one I've been I was say, how is that because I've had some people recommend that one so far I like it it's good I think I'm, may, I'm in the first season maybe in the second I'm not sure but I heard I heard once it gets like midway through the second or into the third season then it gets a little weird so oh. but so far for a lot of the show I heard it's very good uh, mm-hmm. and so far of what I've seen I've really enjoyed it okay mm-hmm. I'm watching cool. the the Umbrella Academy right now 
Oh, I haven't heard of it. It's it's another one of these um, stories about uh, these kids born with these uh, super abilities, and then they grow up and they're all dysfunctional. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I'm watching that kind of TV right about now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm hey, kind of on the same path. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. I think I'm watching Luke Cage. So uh, I'm going to go through some of those as well. But <laughs> nice. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, f- folks out there, we're kind of, I think things have gotten kind of quiet. Any other questions out there? Right. We've had some great questions tonight. I really, we've really appreciated the interaction um, that we've had. Uh, tonight. You know, something else while we're waiting to see if there's any final questions from the uh, the fans. Um, it seems like, you know, so, you know, obviously with the coronavirus and the quarantine situation, you know, that that wasn't the best thing for us in 2020. Um, but I do think certain things have come as a result of that, some positive things. And one of them is I think this year, because there hadn't been a lot of tennis on TV and, and, you know, the tours have been shut down, I think that there was a renewed focus on world team tennis. And there were people that I had talked to that watched world team tennis this year that had never watched world team tennis. And I think they said uh, for the finals, over there were over half a million viewers watching the finals. And, and Nicole, we, we know you were there until the very end. Were the people there at World Team Tennis, were they aware of the, like, increased exposure that they were getting at the time? Um, I think uh, I think they were seeing that the numbers were going up and up, like, uh, during during those three weeks. So I, I think um, I think the broadcasters were pleasantly surprised um, how how well it was doing. And also, you know, there was no other sport really going on at the same time. Maybe the I think the NBA had like started part of the way um, right. during right. World Team Tennis. But other than that, that was it. So we were really lucky, you know, because to all the sports fans in the world, they were excited to watch you know some form of competition that was live and um i i think it was great and yeah i saw the numbers from the final and um you know i think we even got some new golf fans because i know we cut into the the golf line. <laughs> you know golf yep. was supposed to be right after us and the golfers turned it on and it was like no it's still tennis you gotta watch us though <laughs> so i think i think hopefully we added a few golf fans to that as well there you go. And one thing I wanted to ask you, Nicole, you all actually started out, you and, and, and Coco started out on the Aviators, and then you actually got traded to New York. So talk to us about that. What was that whole, like, what was the sentiment when it was like, okay, we're going, you know, we're going to do this trade and you guys are going to go to the, the, the team New York? I mean, you know, were you, did, you, did you feel slighted? Did you feel like, you know, what's up with that? Or <laughs> or was it like, okay, whatever. And then we're just, you know, going to kind of rub it in your face because we won. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I actually have a lot of emotions when it comes to that because I, I got traded in place of Kveta, who's my best friend. Oh, um, yeah. That's, so, yeah. And there's no way in a million years that, like, I would want to, you know, her to, her to lose her spot and me to get it. So, and there was basically nothing that I could do. And so that was, uh, that was a really uncomfortable position for me to be in. And um, I, I was not, I was not happy about it from that point of view. But obviously, 
Um, I, I thought she was treated unfairly because I thought she was actually playing really well. Um, but, you know, Coco and I were the best team in the league. So, I, like, I understand all the politics behind it. But then, you know, we did go and we did, you know, win the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. of, course, right. of course, at the end of the day, you're super happy to to have been a part of that. So, um, but there, there was a lot of behind the scenes that was um, that was that was difficult for me emotionally. And um, and it wasn't like, oh, yes, I got traded it was um it was you know I was happy to still be competing on a team that was still in it but you know uh for um in place of my best friend mm, that's uh, that wasn't so nice (laughs) you know I have got to say this about you Nicole what I have gotten out of this interview is you're a very genuine person I feel like you 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 have a genuineness about you like you care about other people you don't want to see people have you know their feelings hurt I, I I I yeah, I really, I really appreciate that about you. I can, I can, cause I can sense that you really are like, I'm just out here trying to do my thing, but I'm not trying to hurt anybody or do anything or, you know, any negative. It just seems like you're really on the positive and right. I really appreciate yeah. that. That's good stuff. Well, th- thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, I, the, the people that are close to me, I always wish them well. And, um, and, you know, there's, you know, four people, four teams or four people that can make the semis, you know, there's two players that can make the final, obviously only Mm -hmm. one person can win a tournament, but like, you know, there's a lot of success out there for, for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I wish the people that I care about, like I I do genuinely wish them well. And I hope that they wish me well as well. Cause like at some point, you know, you can't win every week, but like if you right. see your friend holding a trophy one week and then you the next week and then someone else that you you know you like another week like then you're all doing well and it's nice yep yep I, like i said i get that sense about you because you know i mean especially in the game of tennis i mean you, you've seen people out there that's like it's all about me and this kind of cutthroat and you know i've seen those personalities out there but i really really appreciate yours and the fact that it's a, it's like you said it's all about everybody kind of getting success because not everybody's going to win every single time they're out that's just um, unfortunately not going to happen but it's nice that it's being spread around and you're recognizing that so appreciate that yeah absolutely and and we're proud to call you an official member of the brothers on tennis family now that's that's right Uh, you are family Absolutely, and we are definitely looking forward to cheer you on into the top 10 next year because it just looks like that's where you're, you're headed to, and we're so excited to uh, wait and see who this partner is. Yeah, you'll, you'll find out. <laughs> that's awesome, and hopefully we'll be able to see you once um, you know fans and media can start freely coming back to uh, the tournaments. Uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed. Um for that at some point in 2021 as well. Sounds good. So, I'm looking forward to 2021. Hopefully our calendar can be a bit longer than this year, but you know, yes. I, don't, I don't mind the time at home. I enjoy being at home. So, uh, so if there's a few <laughs> more breaks here and there, so, so be it. You wouldn't be mad at that. <laughs> yeah. We talk about that all the time. We're like, tennis is one of those sports that doesn't truly have um, a significant off season. Right. And um, and this could have been really good for a lot of the players. So, well, you know, Nicole, thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank yes. you to our, our followers for all the great questions we had tonight. It really made our first interview on Locker Room uh, very, very special. And we're excited. It looks like we, we should probably do some more interviews uh, like this, Isaac. Do you, yes. Do you think? 
I think so. And Nicole, know that you have a, 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 just anytime, if you have anything you want to share, anything you're promoting, know that you can always come back here and share it with, the, with us and with our audience. Cause we really appreciate you and thank you. I will do that. Definitely. So I hope to speak to you with you guys again soon. And thank, thank you for you. having me. Thank you, Nicole. And to the rest of our followers, thank you for tuning in for our interview with Nicole Melikar. Um, Remember, you can go check out any of our episodes on our website, brothersontennis.com, and that's B-R-U-T-H-A-S on tennis.com. We will have this interview posted probably Thursday. I'm, I know I'm speaking from our producer. I'll, I'll take the wrath later. <laughs> uh, but we'll, uh, we'll try to get it up probably around Thursday uh, for those people that will that weren't able to join us live and for those of you that might want to circle back and listen again. So, closing out, thanks for attending. Thanks for listening. This has been your boy Bryce. And this is your boy Isaac. And we're Brothers on Tennis. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week.